We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you from uh, friendly confines as we enjoy a two-game winning streak. It's nice. I got to tell you, after this season, how the season has gone, a lot of consternation, my favorite word. Um, You know, it's cool to have the team come out and play a couple good games. And hopefully... The good times continue. Uh, Knicks are playing uh, in Charlotte uh, tonight as you are listening to this. And then got a game on uh, Sunday back home against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, We will, of course, as usual, have pre and post games for both of those. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, Today, we got a really good episode for you. This is an episode that was supposed to air uh, earlier in the week. and. Then we got a little bit of a tip from uh, today's guest, Fred Katz of The Athletic, of course, uh, that maybe we should hold off on recording this episode until later in the week because he had uh, something coming, some something in the hopper. And boy, did he ever um, dropped a piece for anybody who may not have read it yet. Go and 
if you're not subscribed to the athletic, go subscribe to the athletic. Um, and if you are subscribed to the athletic and you didn't read the piece yet, go check it out. Um, Fred Katz lays out basically that the Knicks have been very active on the phones, uh, taking calls, making calls, talking to teams about several players on their roster. We get into all of it and he is able to shed some light um, on not only the contents of his story and the trade conversations that he has, um, you know, uh, that he reported on, but also at the end of the podcast, which I really was very appreciative of and, uh, and found very interesting his process as a reporter um, as he goes about trying to, um, you know, report on, on things of this nature and, and how that goes. And, um, you know, we, we talked about that. It's really, really good stuff. Um, the other thing I should note is that uh, the Obi Toppin news broke a few hours before we recorded. So yes, we discussed that at length um, in terms of what the Knicks could do now that Obi Toppin is going to be out for at least two to three weeks and, you know, probably a little bit longer than that. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to say because everything that uh, is pertinent at the moment we talked about on the pod. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Fred Katz of The Athletic. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, uh, he is a beat writer for The Athletic covering the New York Knicks, who recently wrote an article that made a lot of Knicks fans feel feelings. Not good feelings either. Bad feelings. And I'm going to yell at him for the next 45 minutes, not only for writing said article and doing his job, how dare he, but also for mercilessly and and unnecessarily making fun of me during his last appearance on this pod. And I could not be here for the circumstances out of my control. Fred Katz. Hello. Well, John, thanks for that intro. I just wanted to say, uh, I'm really proud of you for showing up. This is like really impressive. Um, thank you so much for guesting on my and Andrew's podcast. Oh, wow. We both, we both really appreciate you coming by. Uh, we know that you have a very busy day screaming things about Emmanuel help, Quickly's help defense just into the abyss. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to actually have you on a podcast. Look, it's so cute. You brought a microphone. Oh boy. With headphones. It's like it's 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 adorable. Normally you serve no purpose. You just go out in the woods, you scream random crap about the New York Knicks, and nobody's listening. And they're just like, Yeah, yeah, that's the insane guy who who screams shit about how Obi Toppin is being used the wrong way. He should be more of a cutter and screener. That that's well, the guy. And it's just it's really nice to, for you to have some sort of purpose in life. You my, know? my downloads in the woods are up. Uh, I think like 150% uh, in the last month. Uh, killing it. Killing up it. To, in- up, up from two to three. Well done. Well done. I guess that's 50%. Up from two to five. That's even better. Yeah, exactly. Math, Fred. Math. We do math in the woods. Yeah, you're growing. You? You're growing. That's unbelievable. Oh. Five downloads. That's, that's, that's a month, I assume. Not an episode. Well done. It's bi-weekly. Well done. I'm really impressed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really impressed. <laughs> Pumping out content. Oh goodness, Fred Katz. Uh, it's it's good to see you. Not that we ever talk. Uh, it's wonderful offline. to be on. That's I'm sure it is. Um, we have a few things to get to. Uh, however, we do have some. Well, not it's not really breaking news anymore, but 
some news that broke a little while ago. Uh, so I figure we'll get to that first and then we'll touch on some of the other stuff. Um, speaking of oh, the guy I scream about in the woods, Obi Toppin, uh, seems like he's going to be out for a bit with uh, a, see if I get this right, non-displaced fib- fibula fracture? Not non dis non displaced fracture of the fibular head, which is of the, the, f- the top part of your fibula. Yes, um, fibular head, John. The fibular head, which what, is different than the. One fibular- of the fun things. One of the, the fun things about uh, sports is not is not the injuries, but when you when you cover sports, you or just a sports fan, you you learn all of these medical terms that you just otherwise that like only orthopedic people know. Yes. So it's beautiful to learn these things. I, um, well, this isn't funny, but like immediately when, uh, the, uh, well, when, when I saw your tweet, I immediately went to Jeff Stotts in street clothes and I'm like, uh, on notifications. And then when that, when he was like, I, cause I, you know, playing, um, you know, home physician, I was like, oh, this is looking like six weeks. And then he tweeted out that John Collins made it back in, in 21 days from something similar. So, but it sounds like it's going to be longer than that with a two to three week reevaluation. Uh, I mean, I'll just open it up to you. What are your, what are your thoughts, impressions on, on like what's going to happen on the injury, anything? Oh, it's really unfortunate to see an injury like that for Obi. You know, it's really unfortunate. I, I have a few thoughts. Um, my first thought just from from a basketball perspective is okay. Tibbs just shortened the rotation. We saw in garbage time against Atlanta on Wednesday night that shortening the rotation also means that even during garbage time, like Evan Fournier is not getting in. Cam Reddish isn't getting in. Ryan Archidiakno is dealing with an ankle sprain right now. And so they're basically playing with 12 guys on guaranteed contracts who will ever get into a game, at least based on Wednesday's standards. Now Obi's out. So, you know, three three of those guys are centers. You're probably only playing two of them. I'm sure at some point in this podcast, we're going to suggest to discuss a scenario where like Isaiah Hartenstein plays next to one of the fives, maybe. Uh, I think RJ Barrett at the four is something that we're going to see. Uh, but you can't just like go... Let's say it's 21 days, right? Yeah. Like that sounds really quick. They said two to three weeks for a re whenever they say two or three weeks for a reevaluation, it's it's rarely if ever actually two or three weeks out. I feel like it's, it's double the 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 reevaluation time. You you know, that's my default, which is why I was like, okay, six weeks. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I I I don't know. It could be six weeks, sure. I mean, you know, Jeff Stott, you mentioned Jeff Stotts. Jeff Stotts was talking about that, how it could be that. Uh, but whether it's it's three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, or longer than that. You're not playing an eight man rotation nope. for that long. Nope. Uh, so, so I wonder is, you know, okay, is Derek Rose back in there? Cause Rose is another guy who I was, I, I left out accidentally before when I was naming the guys who didn't get in during garbage time or anything like that. Is Rose in? Are you playing Rose and McBride? If that's the case, okay, you got Brunson, you got Rose, you got McBride, you got quickly all in one rotation. That's, that's funky. That's a little small. Weird. That's basically. That is real small. So what are you going to do about that? Like, you know, it's Cam Reddish come in and just basically play back up four. Uh, is is Reddish back out there? Uh, Can we stick with that a for half of, a sec? Because yeah. you, you know, you were right in front of him. Uh, and you saw oh, you. I, you asked one of the questions or all the questions to Cam after the game, right? I, I asked I asked a couple of them. Okay. Begley asked a bunch of other guys. Peter okay. Yeah. So. 
you know, I <laughs> I saw the video. You were right in front of him. I it, on one hand, it feels silly to be like it's over. They can't walk it back now. But on the other hand, I'm like thinking to myself, is it over? Can they walk it back? Like, where do you think that situation is right now? I think it's very uncomfortable. That's what I think. Good word. I think, I think it, I think Cam was very uncomfortable talking to us about it. I think it's uncomfortable enough that the Knicks didn't make him available to media for three straight media sessions where he was requested, which to be clear, like, when you request a player, they're supposed to be made available. And that's almost always how it works, even with restrictive organizations and Cam not being made available is just like, okay, well, what's, what's going on? Like, why, 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 why is this not happening? And, and, you know, he stood there, he answered all of our questions, you know, he, he really did answer everything, but he was, you know, fidgety and he was, he was uncomfortable during that time. You could tell. And I I think if you just want to, if you read the room, there's there's something I keep using the word uncomfortable, but there is there is something off about that situation right now. There's a disconnect. Uh, you know, Cam said he's not sure why he was pulled from the rotation. I'm sure the three of us can have some guesses as to why Cam was pulled from the rotation. Um, and I'm sure we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I'm with you. It's like it's really weird to have a player psychologically in that sort of situation and then be like, Oh, well actually uh, you're back in your old role, the next game. So I don't know what you do with that because you know, the thing with Tibbs is like, he gets criticized for not really communicating with guys in these sorts of situations, right? Like Kemba Walker came out and said, Tibbs didn't really talk to him when he got the benching last year. And a lot of guys have said similar sort of stuff. Uh, Didn't Derek Rose just kind of said, I mean, it's Derek Rose also. He said something similar. Yeah. I mean, Rose said Tibbs talked to him and said that he, I I think the Rose thing was a little bit different of a tone. Rose's was more like he said he wanted to give Miles McBride a look and that's all I needed to hear. It was more, it was more that with Rose. I, I never really questioned Tibbs's and Rose's dynamic. That's AVSP. They don't, they don't need to speak. Exactly. They don't even need to talk. They just telepathically communicate. Uh, I think. I, I think I, I don't know. Honestly, maybe a lack of communication just completely unintentionally helps them in this situation because it's like, <laughs> well, you never told Cam, hey, you're screwing up on all these things. You're out. And Cam was like, screw you. I'm not screwing up on him. Now you could just be like, you could just be like, yeah, just play dumb. Yeah, Cam, it was only for a couple of games. You were going to make it back in. I just told you to stay ready. You're fine. I I mean, if you ha- if I had to bet on it right now, first of all, I would need odds to, I, I mean, I j- like, you could tell me. You could tell me. Sfi, it's that's insane, right? You could tell me. Sfi gets off the bench in the next game, but like, is, is it truly insane? Like, you you brought up the idea of Hart. I guess would maybe play next to Sims for you know a period of time. To be, but to be clear, it. by the way, yeah, I hate that. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. I I of all of the possible options, like even like one that would involve like bringing Evan Fournier back in the rotation, which I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that. Like. I think Hart and Sims would be the my least preferred. I, but do, like the odds on favor would seem to be bringing Cam back into the fold. But like, I, I don't know. Unless you do, do you disagree? No, from a basketball perspective, that easily makes the most sense. I think you could play him as like a small ball four. You could play with a bunch of wings. You play really fast with the second unit. Yeah, 
I think that totally is what would make the most sense. Uh, you know, there's, I guess there's another option. You bring Derek Rose back into the fold. You go, you go rope. That's so I mean, small though, because you'd, and you'd you just, Rose could uh, deuce and quickly, right? It would be like, you could, so, you know, you could stagger differently, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could just try to stagger. Maybe, maybe Julius Randle plays with the bench unit. That's interesting. And you try to stagger, you know, maybe there's something there like that where you could do that. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you just from like a, you know, they say it's a positionless, a positionless league now, but it's, but it's not a role-less league. Like, yeah, there aren't positions, but guys have roles and the OB role is, is funny because it's, it's somehow duplicitous and also not possible for anybody else to replace. Yeah. It's, that's a good call. It's this unbelievably strange in between where it's, it's just imperfect in both directions. And so I don't know, maybe Tibbs just plays Julius Randle 48 minutes. Maybe we're just going to see that. I mean, more realistically, I'm with you. Like Cam, I think basketball wise makes the most sense if you reinsert him. Yeah, um, I do too. I'm like, there's a part of me that is rooting for that, um, which will, which will befuddle the people who I, especially after the last few games think that I, I hate Cam Reddish and that like, I have no sympathy for his plate. Um, well, let's transition to, to the piece that you wrote this week, which got um, a lot of a lot of news um, or a lot of a lot of a lot of views, and I, I hope it it made the waves it should have because it was a big deal. Um, as you wrote, teams you know don't typically get trades done this early, or, or or I guess you know explore the trade market as diligently as it seemed like the Knicks were doing. But you made the very good point that the Knicks like to get their work done soon and you brought up several names a couple of which we already talked about and one of them is cam reddish and i don't want to misquote you but basically you you were painting the picture that perhaps the market for cam is not as uh robust as maybe you know i'm sure the knicks would like it to be like where where do you think things are at on on that front so i don't think the market for cam was all that robust when the knicks traded for him to mm -hmm. be honest i mean i think the Hawks made it pretty clear starting in the summer of 20. Let me make sure I get my dates right. Starting in the summer of 2021. So before last season, the Hawks made it pretty clear that they were at the very least open to trading Cam Reddish. And by that point, Reddish had asked out. I don't remember when it kind of became common knowledge around the league that he wanted out. Uh, but, it, but at that point, the Hawks had made it clear that if you want Cam Reddish, give the Hawks a call and they're picking up. And they made it clear as well, their price on Cam Reddish, first round pick. You offer a first round pick for Reddish, pretty good chance that a deal is going to be done shortly after. The Knicks were the team that called up and offered the first round pick, but that didn't happen until January when they offered that first round pick for Reddish. And when that came in, the Hawks said, okay, great. And I don't want to make it seem like the Knicks were the only team that called about Reddish. That wasn't the case. I've heard of other teams that expressed legitimate interest. I think the Lakers were in on him when Atlanta was was listening to offers. Um, I think Indiana was considering that. Huh. Uh, I've heard I've heard a couple of other teams. Uh, obviously, those basketball situations have changed and evolved a lot in the last ten months. So that doesn't mean we can just like automatically assume. Okay, well, those are the Cam Reddish teams once again, no matter what. Uh, but those teams weren't necessarily offering a first round pick. Now you fast forward to today, uh, 
you know, this is this is team number two for Reddish. He's only got half a season left before he hits restricted free agency when I don't know if you're going to have to pay him, but if you do want him, you are going to have to pay him his market value, whatever that ends up being. And, you know, having him on like a cheaper rookie contract might not be as, as, uh, you know, it's just not going to be a thing that exists. And quite honestly, I think the fact that Cam has kind of flamed out with a couple of teams now just makes a lot of people around the league say like, okay, well, why? Why does yeah. this keep happening? Why why did it happen at Duke and why did it happen in Atlanta and why is it happening with the Knicks and and I just think there there were Cam Reddish doubters when he came into the league even though he went 10th. There were a lot of them for the exact things that we've seen. But if you were a Cam Reddish doubter coming into the league, <laughs> I don't think he's converted anybody. I don't think so. I don't either. think anyone's watched his NBA career and been like, you know what? I wasn't in on him, but now I've seen this and I am. And there are a lot of people who have flipped in the other direction. So I think it's harder to find that legit. Like, I haven't really heard of a Cam Reddish like suitor, like a real team that wants to like pursue him. I've heard of teams that are that are tossing around the idea of, oh, you know, is it worth it? Do we want to, do we want to? kind of take a flyer, but it's mm-hmm. that sort of tone. It's the take a flyer tone. It's, you know, maybe second round pick, maybe. Um, but I'm I'm not saying they have to like attach stuff to 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 get off of them. But like I I don't think they they recoup that value that they sent out for him. I, I want to move on to to quickly in a second, but I I one more question on Reddish because we we talked a little bit about this and I'm I'm wondering myself like the Dallas game and I, I was kind initially because um, I did. I did like. Here's the thing: I do have some sympathy for his situation. If you just zoom out and you look at a guy who, you know, got this role as a as a starter, I would say he played. I think I would say he played well as a as a starter in the in the role that he was given for you know for the most part. He did, seemed to do what was asked of him. He played pretty hard on defense most of the. Oh, Almost all the time, uh, at least in comparison to some of the other guys on the team. Um, he's not Deuce or Grimes out there. I don't, he's not even, you know, quickly um, in terms of the, the consistency. But, you know, he he did some really nice things defensively. He made some shots, not that consistent from the outside, whatever. And then he got hurt and he came back. And then, you know, obviously his, his job had been taken. And then two games where, where it was like, OK, it was fine, whatever, sort of. And then the Dallas game. And the Dallas game was very bad. Do how how big a role do you think that that played? If just had to, had to, okay, had to, okay. Well, we haven't seen him since John. No, we have he's, not. He's well, we saw him on the bench. He was looking he's somewhere stuckly. chopping chopping logs in the wood r- woods right next to you. For all we know, yeah, we haven't seen him since. He's, uh, I mean, there was a play in the Dallas game. Look, the first half of the Dallas game, he was really choppy offensively. And he was turning the ball over and having weird plays and just moving, I'll say lackadaisically. Second half, he comes in in the fourth quarter, the start of the fourth quarter of that game, and they're already down big because Dallas has that monster third quarter where they outscore the Knicks 41 to 15, and they're already down big. But he comes into that game, and 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 you have to know at that point, like Cam's on thin ice because, let's face it, he is not a Tibbs favorite. And that's the way these things go. So he's got to know he's on thin ice, right? So all you have to do in that scenario, if you're Cam, like not all you have to do, but the minimum that you have to do is like, 
you have to basically bust your ass, right? Mm-hmm. If you, because you know, if you're on thin ice with Tibbs and he catches you loafing, that that's that's it. And and we can talk about how, if Tibbs is, uh, if it's a perfect meritocracy with Tibbs when he catches somebody <laughs> loafing, but. I don't even think we need to. I think it's the, the secrets out. <laughs> it's sure. not secrets out. But when someone is on thin ice, yes, and they get caught with that fashion, like it's that's it. Every time, that is it. I mean, there's a play with about ten and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. They're already down twenty, and people might say it doesn't matter, but I promise you, it matters <laughs> to Tom Thibodeau. I promise you that there's Obi Toppin misses a three on the right wing. Cam is in the right corner and he's being guarded by Spencer Dinwiddie. Maxi Kleba gets the rebound uh, and Cam's assignment is Spencer Dinwiddie, which means he should be the easiest guy for him to pick up. When the guy who is guarding you is the guy who you're guarding, that's the easiest one to match up in transition. So Kleba gets the rebound. He outlets it to Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie kind of lightly jogs the ball up. Cam should easily be able to get out in front of him, and he just kind of jogs up the floor. He takes like two steps like he's going to start to sprint and then kind of decides, eh, maybe not. He points to Mitchell Robinson to pick up Dinwiddie. So now the Mavs get into their half court. And and this to me is the biggest problem with the Knicks transition defense. It's not necessarily that they give up all these fast break points. It's that they don't match up correctly. And then when teams get into the half court offense, they just exploit these mismatches. Yep. So now you've got Mitchell Robinson guarding Dinwiddie and you've got Cam Reddish guarding the center of Maxi Kleba. So it's reversed. Mitch should be guarding Kleba. Kleba for some reason comes and sets a screen for Dinwiddie which should allow them both to actually switch on switch back to, to the proper. Yeah. Should be okay. If you're moving fluidly, they botch the communication. Reddish kind of ends up standing still. Kleba gets a pick and pop wide open three next stoppage. Cam gets pulled from the game. He hasn't played since. So I, 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 I think there are just too many moments. You, you can't have those kinds of moments with Tom Thibodeau as your head coach when you're on thin ice and then expect anything otherwise. Now, I just want to see how this is going to go with Obi out now because I, I, I agree with you. I, I think the best basketball situation is the best basketball decision is you play Cam Reddish who can, who can be a small ball for and and be a wing and maybe you can get him out there playing passionately. But I, I also see the other side of like, Cam is the kind of guy who, if you lose him, then you maybe you've lost him. Mm-hmm. And if you've lost him, then you're not going to get disruptive in passing lanes, Cam Reddish, or picking up his guy in transition, Cam Reddish, and that kind of stuff. So, it, so I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea what the right way to handle that situation is. Two, two things. One, it seems like, and I don't want to make too much of the last two games, but I'm going to make too much of the last two games. It seems like this n- most recent pivot is like, we're just going all in on the guys who are going to go balls to the wall, which leads me to my second point that you just brought up about like, uh, you know, those minutes matter to Tom Thibodeau minutes at the end of games uh, that may be a blowout. And you know how we know it matters to Tom Thibodeau? Because guess who comes in and every time in those situations, he plays like it's the seventh game of the fucking NBA finals. And that's Deuce McBride. And now Deuce McBride is getting real rotation minutes and he's 
get bring bringing the same energy and you know look whether that's the reason that they've won the last two games or whether it's has to do with the fact that two you know pretty good teams just had two of the most abysmal shooting nights that you could ever possibly ever want to see um you know we'll find that out moving forward um you flip my opinion now i now i don't think it's going to be okay i don't know what the hell it's going to be but um I don't think it's going to be Cam. But you run down the list and you're like, okay, but who? It's got to be someone that can Did you see what Andrew just did? No, I didn't. Oh, God. <laughs> Bring back Mello. Andrew's what odds the, What odds would you need to... Not, not that you would wager on this, but Andrew's what odds... holding up a, a Mello jersey right jersey. now. There you he go. does play the right position. If you gave me... If you gave me... 30 to one odds. I think I would think about like betting on that. The Knicks would sign Carmelo Anthony. I, I maybe just I would need you want the chaos. <laughs> yeah, I would love the you chaos. Want the chaos. Um, all right. I know we spent too much time on Cam Reddish. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Emmanuel, quickly. Um, 
this is a topic for as much as you make fun of me for that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and it's not because, and I've made, I tried to make this clear. It's not because I think Emmanuel quickly is like some revolutionary, you know, player in terms of like, there's this untapped potential and he has, you know, he's a starter waiting to happen and the shot's going to come around and he's going to be, you know, flirting with all-star. I, no, that, that, but I, I just, you wrote about this so well. What was the, the the flexibility piece that you ended with the gymnastics line that I love? That was like two weeks ago, right? I honestly don't remember. I write th- things and then they leave my head and it was gone for it was one of my favorite things you've written in a long time because you so eloquently and and point by point explored why for this team that has touted since Steve Mills, I mean Jesus Christ, they've touted their flexibility. Well, actually, well, actually, Fred, they're not that flexible. And and you explain why, and everybody should go read that piece. It's it's really good. It's as relevant, it's more relevant to, to today than probably when you wrote it. Um and I I, I just I I under obviously I understand the reasons why you look to move on from a player who is entering the summer where you can negotiate an extension for him and like your roster is built the way it is. And like, you don't have a star and you need to continue to, as you say, remain flexible to try to have the right assets to trade for that. star. I get all of those things. Does it not strike you as, I don't know, odd that a franchise that has been in the abyss for as long as the Knicks have, can come across this player who sure does seem to be about all of the right things. I don't know. Maybe you've heard differently. And if you have, feel free to chime in. But like, he seems to be about a lot of the right things. And now they are looking to potentially just ship him off like that. Should, should that not irk me as a fan? What, what do you say about that? Well, I'm, I'm a little more in the middle. So I would say, first of all, I understand why Knicks fans are upset about them listening to offers or, 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 or talking trades. I shouldn't say listening to offers because I think it's more than just listening to offers. I understand why Knicks fans are upset with them legitimately considering trading quickly. I get that a hundred percent, but I seriously doubt we are going to find ourselves in a situation where we wake up and we see the news break that the Knicks have traded Emmanuel quickly for nothing. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they value quickly. As a matter of fact, I think uh, this organization kind of has a reputation. This front office has a reputation in trade talks of overvaluing its own guys. Really? Like I, I think that's. Yeah, I think. I mean, look, I think that's how they why they don't have Donovan Mitchell. Well, I was about like to, okay. <laughs> like I, I think that's the guy. I think that's why they um, have held on to a lot of the guys that they have. I, I think now I don't know if that's a negotiating strategy or if it's genuinely how they feel. And the negotiating strategy they feel like is something that pays off in the long term and trades and that kind of stuff. But when when you talk to other teams, they talk about how how the Knicks talk about how much they love their young guys. Oh no, you think this guy is worth this? Well, we think he's worth more. And they, they talk about that a lot. And that's kind of what happens in, in the, uh, in the Donovan Mitchell negotiations, right? Is that common or, or is that, uh, sorry, I I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Is is this okay? Yeah, I think it's certain, look, it's certainly not uncommon. Okay. 
Um, Thank you for clarifying because I, I just don't know. Yeah, it's no, it's a fair question. It's it's certainly not uncommon, but I think the Knicks are one of those organizations that does it. So I I don't think that they are just going to like give away quickly in a trade. I don't. And and I wrote that the Knicks have considered situations uh, have expressed to other teams that they would be willing to attach Reddish or or, or quickly to Fournier to make a trade work. If they were to attach quickly to Fournier, I don't think it would be like quickly attached to Fournier for an expiring who will be the 15th man this year. Like, I don't think that's what the scenario would be. I don't know what it would be, but I don't think it would be that. Like, I don't think, I think there'd have to be something that made them feel like it was worth it, whether it's a bigger someone who could actually help or a pick or whatever, something to make salaries work. Like getting off of Fournier's money doesn't necessarily do much for them this offseason. They're still probably operating as an over-the-cap team unless they make some other sort of pretty significant move. Uh, and even then it might take another significant move no. to get like really significant space. Also, just not a lot of good free agents this summer. So no, not even worth it. Um, but anyway. Back to the quickly point. Yeah, I, I think the greater issue is kind of what I wrote in that piece that you talked about, which is that what it says about the organization that they're at a point where they think that a future first round pick could be more valuable to them than Emmanuel quickly. Um, and, and this grand plan that they have to trade for the first star in the door. And it's just something that I've thought about so much ever since the Donovan Mitchell stuff really came to the surface over the summer, which is your plan is to trade for the first star in the door. How many times in NBA history has a team traded for the first star in the door? And it's like really, really worked. It's happened. It has when has it happened? It happened with James Harden. But James Harden wasn't a star yet. Apples and to like, Christmas trees. You were talking here. No, seriously, that's I'm not. I'm glad you said. I'm glad you said that, and not apples to oranges, because I hate apples to oranges. I don't care for it because either. you know why? Because why? you can absolutely compare apples and oranges. You can. You cannot yeah, compare apples wanna, to Christmas trees. You want Hey, hey, hey! Uh, you just. Uh, I'm hungry. Hey, what would you like to eat? I only have apples and oranges. Which one would you rather have? I'd rather have an orange. Okay. Boom! You just <laughs> compared apples to oranges. That's it. They're both fruit. People compare apples and oranges all. The time. Oh. So apples to Christmas trees makes That's way better. more sense. That's uh, thank you better. for that. Anyway, go on. Dis dis disagree with me. No, because that, do you not? You know what I'm. You know why I'm saying it? Because the uh, like you said, Harden was. People were high on him, but even freaking Daryl Morey admitted after the fact. Like we we thought we were getting a good player. We didn't think we were getting this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, that that's that's kind of my point, right? Yeah. Where it's like you can trade for the first star in the door, but. You basically have to totally and completely and historically rip somebody off. Yes. Like that's that's the way that you do it. There is a reason that a decade later we're talking about the Harden trade on this podcast. And I can just say the Rockets trading for James Harden, and everyone's like, Yep, I know that entire trade off the top of my head. I remember when it happened, and I remember how it happened, and I remember all the history behind it. And it's like there's a reason that that trade is so unbelievably famous. It's not normal. It doesn't really happen. Uh so so you're your plan to trade for the first star in the door. And obviously when the Knicks have that plan, their plan is to trade for an already established star. Uh, so you just can't really think of those situations where that's happened and you've still had an, enough assets left over to recoup, uh, to, to go out and 
get a second guy. So I think that the plan has, I think it has flaws. I think it has flaws. You think? Oh, how dare you, Fred? My goodness. (laughs) Never appearing on this podcast again. And I, and I think that like, and I think, I think the fact that quickly is the one who's available is kind of, it's just the results of the, of the flawed plan where it's okay. The young guys are aging out of where they're really valuable as trade pieces. So how can we keep this guy as a trade piece? We roll him over and turn him into a draft pick. And and now that draft pick is going to be a trade piece. Uh, and so it's like, you just kind of keep going and going and going and, and, and we'll see. I mean, look, I actually think there are certain trades for what it's worth where Emmanuel quickly as an extension eligible guy next summer actually is more valuable than a first round pick. I, I, we could listen, we could sit here and talk about quickly trades. And I think the best, my favorite line of the most recent piece that you wrote about the, the, the potential of them trading quickly is that there are first round picks and that there are first round picks. And I would hope at the very least, especially with Brock Aller on the payroll, um, your, your, uh, your colleague Mike Vorkanoff, I believe, once wrote the, the phrase about Aller that he knows like the value of every piece of paper in the NBA better than anybody else. Yeah, I love that line. Um, but you wrote that like, you know, there, there are firsts and then there are firsts, and that he's like they know what they're looking for here. Um, you would you would think, right? Yeah, I don't think they want a crappy first. No. Like well, like when I when I say future first, like it's not they don't want a top 20 protector first. Now, now I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you the specifics of what they really are going to, of what they really want in the best case scenario and what they really willing to settle for. I can't say that, but I, I can, I'm pretty confident that they're not just like going out there and being like, yeah, any first will do. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. all. So, so I I really don't. And I look, and maybe there's a good transition to, you know, finishing up by actually talking about the team, but like, I, I'm I'm not saying that there, there's not a world where they could have approached things differently the last few years and still be sitting here and still be considering potentially, um, you know, looking to deal Emmanuel quickly. But just to look at the money that was spent specifically in the summer of 2021 and where all those dollars are being allocated now, um. I mean, all of them are being allocated to players that are not playing in the rotation for the New York Knicks, if you, unless you want to count Julius Randle. Um, you know, and and the the conversation from almost the beginning of last season, maybe not the beginning of last season, but from early on last season, which is like, well, wait a minute, hold on. The kids are like the kids could do this. What we're seeing out there, the young players could do this. So it's like you you didn't even, you know, you the whole goal was to like build, you know, uh, lift the thing up with veterans. Well, that didn't happen. And you spent all this money and now you're, you're trying to flip, you know, an asset because you well for, again, for reasons, cause this is kind of what you do. You churn and burn in the NBA. If you want to keep your asset base, um, I don't know, liquid, uh, can I, and, can I give you a piece of advice, John, please might save you a couple years of your life. Oh goodness. I need it. I don't believe in, in, fans getting like extra furious. This was the other thing I was going to say before and I forgot. I I don't believe in fans getting extra furious about trades that haven't happened yet. That's good advice. It's just not worth it. 
That's I a- swear to you, if I mean, there are more things that I've that I've heard about random trades that you hear about. And it's just like they're just like concepts, you know, so I don't put them out there because they're not real. You know, they're 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 little concepts and stupid little. Hey, what about this? Nah. Hey, what about this? Nah. And that that's mm. it. Like, that's not a. That's not a trade negotiation. You know what I mean? And there, there are certain ones that you hear about. And and I chuckle because I'm like, man, if I just like threw this out there, <laughs> Macri would just lose. lose I don't know if he I don't know if he has Internet where he is right now. He's like out in the wilderness screaming something really weird about fibular heads but- or whatever else. But but if he has Internet, he would lose his freaking mind. So Fred. Just, don't get mad about trades that haven't happened yet. It is not worth the stress. Process, when it though, happened, Fred. Go crazy. But process, process matters. And I think every fan, especially fans in this city, with what we've had to deal with for the last 20 years, would like to have some faith in the process behind the actions, which I think, by the way, is why this front office has gotten more of the benefit of the doubt than it maybe deserves. Because you could you could look every step of the way and be like, okay, the process was sound, the process was sound, the process was sound. Donovan Mitchell think stuff. I don't know about that. Um, and now we're here with the quickly thing. All right, let's move on. I want to talk about the team a little bit before I have to let you go. That's, that's fair point, by the way. Yeah, but that's right, right. but that's different. That's a little different. Let's a little different. Let's let's see what. What ends up happening with quickly? Maybe they trade him. Maybe they don't. Maybe they trade him and they get something so such a good first back that you're like, okay, I get it. Maybe they trade him in Fournier and they bring back a big salary and you're like, oh, that guy will will actually help. And they got you know they got an extra sweetener added on because of it. It's like okay, I I get that. Maybe who knows? I just don't know. So. I'm not Nobody for the big judging until until it actually happens because they have discussed like like I think I, I I hope I said it in that piece I think I did that like they have discussed all these different kinds of quickly scenarios where he's involved in a million different types of deals so well um, so that's a good transition because I think this team part of the reason that it has been a to put it politely an up and down season um is because i think everybody and look i know it's a business but i've made the point that i think you know guys know that it's that it's unsettled at the moment you know that it, you know look around, uh they they said they said a thing like what was it the first day of law school where it's like look to your left look to your right one of the people won't be here you know in three years when when you graduate it might be you um, it's like that that type of thing um, and I, I have to think that that matters a little bit I mean R J Barrett is he is under contract and yet after what happened this summer where he was halfway to Utah how he's been playing another thing so like there's all this stuff going on and yet through it all they're twelve and thirteen. And if you look at it since the Thunder game at home, um, when they gave up 10,000 points to Oklahoma City, uh, they're six and six. And their net rating in that time, I believe, is 13th in the league. And they have, I looked it up today. I couldn't believe it. They have the seventh ranked defense since that, since that Thunder disaster. You know, um, so like, yeah, the Dallas game was in there and the Dallas game was obviously very bad, but they've, they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. And and you've written a lot on it this year about how this is like look it's an it's a mediocre basketball team it is what it is where do you get the sense right now about like where they are 
where you think they're going? Like, what, you know, what, what's your read on the, on the team that you cover every day? Can I tell you my two favorite Nick stats of the day? Please. My first one is that they are one back in the loss column. Is Andrew asleep right now? Andrew, Andrew's, Andrew's head was down. The He's doing the, work. The hat was over his eye. I eyes. am taking notes on the podcast that you're recording with, with John. <laughs> That's literally what I'm doing. Andrew, 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 hold up that notebook a little bit closer because I think it's just going to say I heart Jacob deGrom over and yeah, over. Yeah, that's over not and cool. Over. That is not cool. I am in the process of moving on. I've gotten to the place of acceptance. Justin Verlander actually pitches games and potentially oh listen just talk Verlander about a different tune apparently wow. justin verlander's fine with cdc guidelines too you know so whatever Macri's favorite Texas. favorite baseball Macri's favorite baseball player is jacob Degrom because they show up to work about as often oh geez so <laughs> <laughs> i gotta i gotta get a new job you gotta cut baseball talk off here people got mad that i brought up so much baseball on the last wow. pod so uh okay well, save it for two, the end save it for the end <laughs> my my two favorite nick stats of the day which and I say this heading into Thursday night's games. That first off, somehow the Knicks are one in the loss column back of home court advantage in the Eastern Conference playoffs, which is incredible with where like that is insane with where it the is. Eastern Conference is. I was I was talking to some people yesterday. Uh I was talking to some Hawks people at the game, and we're talking about just kind of like their season they say yeah you know it's like we just we have some bad losses like we have some losses games we really feel like we should have won and and i and i say don't yeah everyone does it's insane everyone in the league has losses they feel like oh it's a terrible loss and should have won it's just like everyone is 500 or damn close to it except for a few teams that are really really good and a few teams that are really really bad the parity in the league is unbelievable. I feel like somehow, like I know it's not mathematically possible, but it's just true. It's this weird paradox of the NBA where every single team in the league has a bad loss to the Thunder, and yet the Thunder <laughs> don't have 29 wins. It's but it's amazing. Everyone has a bad loss good. to the Thunder. And you know yeah. what? Losing to the Thunder, not a bad loss anymore. No. The Knicks are so freaking weird that like they gave up 145 points to the Thunder, right? And their season was over. They were done. That was the breaking point. That was it. And then they won three out of five on the West Coast road trip when they were going to go 0 and 5 on the West Coast road trip. Right? And Tibbs was going to lose then, his job before the end. Yeah. Tibbs was going to lose his job. Right. And then they blow the lead to Dallas and Dallas scores 972 points in the third quarter. And Tim Hardaway scores 971 of those points in the third quarter. And Luka Doncic scores the other one and it's over and Tibbs is going to lose his job. And that's the straw that broke the camel's back. And they're never going to win another game. And the season is done because it was the most hideous thing any of us have ever seen. And then they come out and they have given up as many points combined in the last two games as they did in that third quarter of the Dallas game since. It's it is so weird uh, how they've operated, but weirdness is in this year. Weirdness is is the thing. Everyone has a bad loss. Everyone does. It is it is everyone has many bad losses, and it's just kind of the way of in baseball. You never really get this because we're all conditioned to know that like one baseball game says absolutely nothing about how good or bad of a baseball team you are. Yeah. Because there's so much variance game to game. In basketball, we're conditioned to not think that way. 
because some teams are just awesome all the time and some teams just stink all the time. But there's just the league has changed. There's a lot more parody now. Other thing that I love the last two games have been so strikingly ugly for the teams the Knicks have been playing. And I think it's a combination of both the Knicks playing legitimately good defense. Yes. And them just missing shots like freaking crazy with the Cavs game and the Hawks game that the Knicks were 26th in defense after the Dallas game. And now two games later, they're 18th. They they climbed because of two games. They climbed eight spots. That's a jump you see after like two weeks of the season, maybe three weeks of the season, you know, a, 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 not after whatever, I mean, whatever we are, 25 games. You know, you don't, you don't see that, uh, you know, at this point of two games. But yes, you're correct. Yeah. I mean, that, that's insane. So those are my two ones. But I think I think the defense is legitimately better. I can't believe we haven't talked about Quentin Grimes. Oof. Saving the best for last. I He's um, so good guarding the ball. He is my favorite thing about this team right now. He's my favorite favorite player to watch. He's my, I just, I could, if I key in on him, on any defensive possession, I'm probably going to probably going to be a smile added to my face. I, you know, it's funny. We, <laughs> for all the jokes about, Oh, untouch, Mr. Untouchable, right. Uh, with the Donovan Mitchell trade scenario and what have you. And I wonder where he ranks internally now for them on their, you know, give, if you give him truth, give Tibbs truth serum, give the front office truth serum. Like, I don't think you need to give Tibbs truth serum. He, cause he just, <laughs> I think he's been one on Tibbs's board for a little bit. Yeah. 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 Wow. Total guess, by the way, to be very clear, oh, yeah. that is, I, I have not had like Tibbs tell me that I haven't had a source tell me that I just am basing this on what Tibbs thinks of the guys. I, I think Tibbs loves Grimes. Tibbs has always loved Grimes. I mean, I, I know sometimes it hasn't come all the way through, like when he was out of the rotation before and all of that. And and people questioned it. No, Tibbs has always loved Grimes. Tibbs was the biggest Grimes supporter when they in the organization when they drafted him. Tibbs was the one being like, we have to draft this guy. Really? Tibbs loves, yeah, yeah. Tibbs is huge on Grimes. I I, I like that. I'm happy. That makes me happy. I don't know how many other people. He's a very Tibbs player. Yeah, but He's a very Tibbs player. But can't that be a compliment? I know Tibbs, you know, is persona non grata right now amongst most everybody besides me, I guess, in this fan base. But um, like if you're a tips player, doesn't it just mean you like play your ass off all the time and you make the right decision? You make the correct basketball decision more often than not. Yes, that is what it means. Yeah. 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 There's there's nothing wrong with being a tips player. There's only something wrong with a coach only playing tips players and not not being open to playing non tips players. But Something wrong. I mean, Miles McBride is a Tibbs player too. I'd like him to make a few oh, more right. shots, but yes, I, I, I like yeah. Miles. Well, McBride. yes, yes. I mean, the jump shot is his rotation on his ball is is a problem. The jump shot is, I think, it's problematic. The jump shot. Um, before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, I said, uh, when did I say a couple games ago? Um. Or actually, no, when me and Jeremy talked, right? Uh, I, I set, I think I set the over-under on players on the current roster who would be traded before the deadline at two and a half. Are you taking the over or the under? Mm. 
And do you think that's think the right the line? Do you think it's a better line? I think one and a half is a better line. You think one and a half is a better line? Really? Okay. Bad yeah, job by me it's then. It's just, well, it's just hard to. I'm going to take the under two and a half. Okay. But I think I would take over one and a half. Okay. So now I don't feel so bad about the line. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess you're right. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, I, you're not like it's an easy. I think, it, you know. yeah, no, but it's it's just three trading three players is pretty rare. Trading, three I guess players, it is. Yeah, that's true. Three is pretty rare, you know. So I, I would I would have to say two. Um, I don't know who it's going to be, but Fournier is obviously a candidate. Rose is a candidate. Quickly is a candidate. Reddish is a candidate. Um, anyone else that I would think could potentially be? I mean, those are the four really obvious ones um there's one john wants you to say no listen no i see him smirking i see him smirking. i didn't say anything let me ask you that would you because i think you but no you've hinted at it that if if there's a julius trade coming i i I think you've said or written at some point that that would probably be more of an off-season thing or am i wrong i mean that that's just more my intuition where with with randall like if you call the Knicks about Randall, they're going to pick up. It's not like they've made Randall some sort of untouchable. The Knicks have listened to Randall deals before. They've 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 made it clear that they would listen if people want to make them Randall offers, but they're also not willing to attach at least historically. They're not willing to attach draft picks to Randall just to unload the contract and and I think the 4 years are very um it's just difficult to handle on those sorts of trades. You know, you look at some of the other kind of big contracts in the league, there really aren't very many intimidating four-year contracts. It's like there are a few three and a couple of two, but you think of the contracts that teams are trying to like unload, right? It's like, okay, Charlotte and Gordon Hayward. So that situation feels like it's like I, 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 that contract is not completing with Gordon Hayward in Charlotte. I don't know where he's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. I just could not possibly see that happening. Uh, but there's only two years remaining on that deal, including this one. Randall has twice as many. So, you know, when you talk about, oh, okay, well, the Knicks, maybe they want to get rid of Randall and maybe Charlotte wants to get rid of Hayward and they swap them. It's like, Charlotte's not going to want to take on the extra two years and and commit that to to Randall, even if they do think it's a better basketball situation with Randall over Hayward, because Randall is available and Randall at this point is a better player than Hayward is. But those extra years are are tough. So I just think it's tough with Randall. I also think Randall is the type of player who you need a summer and a training camp to really fully integrate. He's mm. the He's disruptive to your ecosystem on both sides of the ball, right? And so you want him there to be able to integrate him into your offense, to be able to make sure, okay, this is how we're going to make our system to include Julius Randle. He's not some sort of three and D guy who you can plop in and he's just going to kind of move off the ball or camp in the corners and shoot some threes and guard well defensively and guard at whatever position you want him to. That's not it. So if I were running a team, even if I were like as high on Julius Randle as you could reasonably be, and I was like, yeah, you know what? 
It's a lot of money, but it's fine. Julius Randle's like 20, 10, and five, and he's shooting the ball well this year. And he's actually above league average efficiency on high volume, which is great. And he's taking good shots. And look at how he's he he's changed his approach to basketball. And and yeah, let's let's bring Julius Randle in. And we think our coach is going to utilize him differently defensively to make him, you know, cover up some of his deficiencies and whatever you're you're super high. I still would be saying, I'll call you about it in the summer. Okay. Because I just wouldn't want to be adding him in the middle of the season because it's just difficult to integrate a player of his. And this is not a quality thing. It's a style thing. Sure. It's difficult to integrate a player of his style into an offense and into a defense in the middle of a season when you don't have a summer to do it. You don't have a training camp to do it. That's the value of that stuff. So, so that to me is why I think if there were a Randall trade, he's an off season sort of guy on top of the fact that he makes a lot of money and and you don't have to worry as much about matching salaries in the off season because maybe you're trading with a team that's below the cap. So, so, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. But that said, you know, it's December, man. The trade deadline is in is two months from tomorrow. A lot right? of time, a lot of time, a lot of time for things to change. A lot of time for one team to go South and decide let's get Julius Randall or, one team to decide, hey, you know what? We're just one piece away, and maybe it is Julius Randle or whatever else. Uh, or for the Knicks to say, oh, man, we can't have Julius Randle anymore. We're willing to attach something. We're changing our philosophy here. We're willing to do a different kind of Randle trade or whatever. I mean, you know, I can only report on things that have already happened. I can't predict the future. So we'll see how I, it evolves. Wait, I'm waiting for that. That last, then, then you'll really be a good reporter. The right. only thing that I can predict moving into the future is that the next time I come on Nick's film school, you will be unavailable. <laughs> You're probably you'll right. Bail at the last second because you have something come up. Oh, you'll be like Andrew, do it. You got friend. this, man. You got Andrew's this. just sitting there. All Andrew has done this entire podcast is he's sitting there and he's just catching strays from me when he's done nothing wrong. I'm just making fun of him for Jacob Degrom. And he's just again. I've, I've moved on. This is a Justin Verlander house now. Shout out to like, Upton. I, yes. For what it's worth, but, I actually like the Verlander move over to Degrom. I'd rather have Verlander for two years than Degrom for five. So we talked about this. That's where I'm working my way toward. In all sincerity, and this is the end of the pods. So if you don't like baseball, leave. Whatever. Um, I, I think where a lot of Mets fans are that I've talked to in my inner circle. It's like there was nothing quite like watching Jacob DeGrom pitch for my baseball team. And that's what I'm going to miss. Having said that, Justin Verlander's like not a terrible consolation prize. The voted unanimously best pitcher in the other league on the World Series champions. And, you know, I think in the past, there's also that will ness as you guys were talking about organizational direction that like mm. you lose DeGrom. It's like, all right, so... I guess I guess Peterson is stepping in or Tyler McGill is going to have to step up. No, we're going to go spend the highest average annual value value for uh, a pitcher ever in Justin Verlander. Um, so it's nice to know that the Mets are able to plug the holes with like still elite pitchers and actually spend like a big market team. Um, I say all of that in knowing that the first time he has like a complete game for the Texas Rangers, it's going to suck. But oh, yeah. knowing just knowing Jacob DeGrom, the way I know him and, 
anybody from Texas seeing this will understand this when they get this, when they, when it happens to them. Um, not many complete games coming your way anytime soon. Not many complete seasons either. So enjoy the back half of that contract. <laughs> Meanwhile, all Fred's going to do is laugh because he gets to watch Aaron Judge for. I was happy for you. I really was. That I'm what John Heyman did to Yankee fans for 24 hours was, was not fair. Okay, oh, it was really stressful. Time. Arson judge. <laughs> it was a really stressful time. Yes, it was. It was really. You know, I was, I was extremely lucky because I didn't see the, the, and I have Twitter alerts on for Heyman too, mm-hmm. so I just missed it but there was a seven minute period there where Heyman tweeted that judge was going to the giants and then seven minutes later said actually no he's not my bad and (laughs) yeah yeah and i missed it i just i saw the alert for actually no he's not and then immediately got a text from my buddy chris kirshner who covers the yankees for for us at the Mm -hmm. athletic uh, just like texting me about the whole thing and basically checking in to see if my heart stopped. Okay. <laughs> nice to have people on the inside. <laughs> and, and I was like, what, what, what is happening right now? So I, I was able to experience the aftershock saga without actually having my heart fall out of my chest from That's happening. Good. So it was, it was really kind of the, the the ideal way to experience the very nice can i actually ask you something like as a reporter have you ever had that type of not that type of thing happen to you where someone that's a reliable source says one thing and then quickly might retract it not like it being Heyman, but like someone when you're like you just had a story this thing with quickly and you were went through rounds of vetting to make sure that it was accurate like what's the process there for those who might not know yeah. So for that story, I spoke to like 12 or 13 sources. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to a lot of people because if you can't tell from that story, like that was me talking to other teams, like, mm-hmm. okay, what are the Knicks expressing during these trade deals? What are they saying during negotiations, conversations, whatever you want to call them? And when you do something like that, sometimes teams BS you, you know, like if, if you're, Team X and you're on the phone with the Knicks and the Knicks say, here's what we want out of this deal. It might be a negotiating tactic. That might not really be what they want. So uh, you try to strip it down so that you can say like, okay, there's, there's no reason for them to lie about this because then they're not going to be getting what they want out of it. At some point during a negotiation, you have to express your actual desires of what you want so that you can actually get what you want. So I try to strip that bare. Uh, for example, there were a couple of deals that I heard about that were more specific than what I put out there because I I just I could only verify it with with one side of it, so I I couldn't put it out there. Um, but you hear similar sorts of objectives from another team, and then from another team, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well they've they've told this to to multiple teams now, yeah, that they are, uh willing to trade Evan Fournier for a worse contract if a man bringing back an asset. Um they've told that to multiple teams. Okay. We've got that on solid ground. Yeah. Like they have they have expressed that various times now. We know that's real. We've got it. Um 
Yes, I've definitely had people tell me things and they were not correct. Either they called me back and were like, actually, that's not true. Or I went to somebody else and they were like, that's not true. Um, (laughs) That has definitely happened. Actually, it happens like all the time. And that's like a reporter's worst fear. And it's why you always have to be as cognizant as you possibly can about making sure that your sourcing is actually coming from two different sides. Like there was one story that I was, I didn't end up breaking um, a couple of years ago. And I was really upset because it was a big story. And I was like on the two yard line of it. And I had two sources telling me the details of it. And I knew it was right, but I couldn't run with it. Because no. I thought mm. it was possible that those, not probable, but possible that those two sources knew about it because they had heard about it the same from the same person. Uh, oh. And if that's the case, when you back channel it, then you really only have one source. So I needed to account for the fact that that could only be one source and I have to get a second. And... um or I have to get a third, I'm sorry, in that case, yeah. which would really be my second. Uh, and I ended up not getting it. And it turned out my intuition was correct and everything mm. oof, was correct. And uh, and it just didn't go. So like, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time. It's just the life of reporting. And you just have to like always have your antenna up to find stuff. I know we got a wrap, but... It's why, like, and for those who like don't know what we're talking about, a national baseball reporter, the Woj of baseball, one of the Woj's of baseball, there's like four of them, um, tweeted out that Aaron Judge, Yankee soon to be captain, is headed to the San Francisco Giants. And then seven minutes later said, uh, actually, it appears he's not. Apologies for jumping the gun. And then the next day, obviously signed with the Yankees. So you think Yankee fans wrote, so I think our Giants fans feel. No, that's true. I just found it fascinating and I, I experienced this a lot during the the Trump presidency that was very leaky that you'd see all these New York Times stories that were like 17 sources have confirmed 25 sources has confirmed the amount of levels of like solidity that you need to have um, on those sourcing so um, well good to hear about the process that's why um, I love you Fred because if you write something um I know I could take it to the bank, um, you know, which is, which is why I made as big a deal out of your most recent article. You have a you have a bank account in the woods. Uh, it's 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 a tree. It's a hollow tree. <laughs> it's it's uh, a pile, it's a pile of rocks. Just, yes, yes. I would have uh, thought that you just like take like a ton of a ton of like valuable metals and you store them in a in a little little bag and then you bury it somewhere beneath like a bush. It's it's a it's a it's a hole under like a fake bush. I move the bush over the hole to to guard against um, right. the thieves and and badgers. Um, Fred Katz, for anybody who who may not know, can you let them know where to find you and your stuff? Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 find any of my stuff. It's not worth it. Um, yeah, you can read read my stuff over in the Athletic. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Fred Katz, and uh, yeah, that's it. You're the best. Uh, congrats on Judge again. Um, I look forward to reading more of your um, rumor, rumor, rumor mongering. No, that's that's not what it is. You know, I don't know. 
You're Whatever. very reporting. in-depth, accurate reporting. <laughs> reporting. Yes, there you go. Reporting. I'm so there hurt. I'm still hurt. That's the thing. I'm so hurt. <laughs> you, you've hurt me. I, but I do feel heard after this podcast. I feel heard. Yeah, heard and hurt. Heard and hurt. And there <laughs> is your title. episode title, folks. <laughs> Fred Katz, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. All right. Hope you enjoyed that convo with Fred. He is he's really good. I really appreciate the fact that Fred takes the time to come on because he's a busy man and he's very, very, very good at what he does. And I, I feel like I almost take for granted at this point, the fact that um, he is kind enough to come on here and talk next with us and, you know, um, shed light on a lot of things. And I, I, it's just really cool. Um, Once upon a time, if you would have told me that like, I would get to have these conversations with a beat reporter on the Knicks on the regular. I would have been like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and now I get to do it. And um, I hope everybody out there enjoys listening to these combos with Fred and, you know, all the other beat reporters and, and everything that we get on here um, as much as I do having them. So that is that. Uh, don't forget, once again, tune in for the pre and post game for the Hornets game tonight. Um, hopefully third win in a row. I certainly do not want to think about losing to the Hornets. So let's just, let's just go ahead and take care of business boys. How about that? Um, as always, if you dig the show, subscribe, rate, review the whole deal. And, uh, we will be back with you with another episode very soon. Peace out.